Welcome to Season 2, Episode 85 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I have Matthew Aguilar. Yay, yay. Janelle Wheeler. Hey, guys. <laughs> and back with us yet again, Mr. Charlie Ridgely has turned, returned to the show. Hi. And today, we are going to be talking about a variety Hello, of fun things. We, are gonna, we have a bunch of trailers we got to break down for some uh, great geek-tastic stuff. We're going to talk about this Green Lantern HBO, series, HBO Max series. We might be going with the Max part uh, based on rumors we're hearing. Transformers and X-Men are going to meeting, although I just finally looked at that, and it's not as exciting as what I thought it would be. So I'm just going to rail on that for, for a while. Oh. But uh, we're gonna, Matt's excited, so we can maybe, maybe this will be a good grenade topic. <laughs> and we got to do our rants and raves today. Plus, we are going to deep dive into The Mandalorian Chapter 10. A lot to talk about there. Or, I'm sorry, did I say chapter 10? I have chapter 10 in here, but it's actually chapter 11. Was somebody, somebody on the show going to like say something? Of course not. I was too busy spell checking my name. No. Sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, so I love the honesty, though. I love it. So it's okay. Shame. Everyone spells it wrong. Everyone. Always. <laughs> I've spelled your name wrong like today. Like once. never. Yeah. yeah. That's actually so, impressive. Yeah. Never, ever, right. ever, ever, ever. Is it, but is it, though? Is it doesn't sound very impressive. All right. So we're going to be talking <laughs> about The Mandalorian Chapter 11 because there's a lot to get into with that. Plus, we are going to talk about some new Batman comics, and Matt's going to give you the new comics of the week. So let's get started right up at the top. Like I said, we have some new trailers to break down, and the first one we are going to talk about is Tom and Jerry. So Tom and Jerry, of course, beloved cat and mouse duo, have a new movie coming out, and it's pretty much what you would expect. It's all along the lines of like the Smurfs and all these kind of 80s cartoon revisit movies uh basically tom and jerry are in real life in this fancy kind of hotel jerry gets into and chloe grace moretz is this kind of like you know aspiring hotel clerk i guess uh that's what the youth are into these days uh you know in the time of covid everybody's rushing out for that services <laughs> thing to kind of yeah get their services on so they can catch uh, la rona but anyway chloe grace moretz is this hotel attendee who has Jerry and basically unleashes Tom to catch her and Tom and Jerry hijinks ensue with what I'm sure WB thinks is like another Roger rabbit. I love Tom and Jerry. Um, you know, I don't hate this. I think my kids would love it. So I'm not going to, and I love Chloe Grace Moretz and you know, she can't really do any wrong in my book. So right? I'm surprised yeah. at the cast on both fronts. Yes. Agree wholeheartedly on both fronts. With those. I mean, you, you missed the, the two key words about this movie that, make anyone excited about it rob delaney oh, oh that's yeah. not who what i thought you were gonna say yeah, but <laughs> rob delaney in anything I and i'll watch it michael payne yeah michael that's Pena, what i thought yeah yeah, I I like michael yeah michael rob delaney is just so funny no everybody's funny in this i mean michael pena rob delaney ken jong that's like if you're making oh, yeah, charlie's angels of comedy that's like that's a pretty good way to go you know what i, I mean? was surprised that they did this <laughs> I was surprised that the cast oh. did this. This is the exact know, kind of thing Pena, I expect to see Rob Delaney and Ken Jeong doing. Yeah. Pena oh, is like, this is after what, Dora and Fantasy Island. Like, this is right up Pena's alley, which I actually yeah. like Fantasy Island, by the way. But like, yeah, this was actually like right up this crew. Yeah, I mean, he did, he did Ant-Man. He's like, man, I got to start getting this family. If anyone, I'm surprised Chloe Grace Moretz did this. Yes. But yeah. so many of them. I'm glad she did. I think it looks fun. Like, yeah. it wasn't what I expected because it wasn't some like weird... CGI mess like right it's straight like they're they're 
like 2D like animated 2D. characters. Thank I like goodness. the way that they that. did that. It's great. Yeah. It, it looks modern. Like the animation style looks modern. Like they actually have like semi-modern mm -hmm. textures. But yeah, it's not like, it has to be real fur. Like it's, they actually look like cartoons yeah, and they're right. talking and it, that's cool. I dig that. And it gives Run like the that, dog. That, that, that disbelief. It's like, you know, they can move around mouse holes and they can like, yeah, stop in midair and run like it because they're cartoons and it works. It's it's very yeah. like space jammy in that yeah. regard. Yeah, like no, that. I mean this is pretty much, okay, pretty much right. like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like this is straight yeah. up. Like, Except you know, nowhere near Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Well, we don't know that yet. A much yeah. better. Okay, it could. Be. I think I'm the only one here who is not gonna watch this and not My excited God. about it. Wow. I, I did not expect the I'm negative. Sorry. I thought everybody on this podcast had a soul, but no, I'm, I'm not. Sorry. Just, it looks I'm so not like, like this is one of my most anticipated movies, right. but like I think it looks fun and I'll watch yeah. it. Like it, it looks it, it doesn't look terrible like I expected when they said there's an animated live action hybrid Tom and Jerry. Here's the trailer. <laughs> I expected to just sit there and like remember when the first yeah. Sonic trailer came out when everyone except for Matt was like, oh. This is the worst thing ever. That's what I expected to get. Well, from and this. Matt turned out to be right. Now that's gonna be like in the running for major awards for this well, year. Because they redid Sonic. Yeah. yeah. They, well, was, hey, hey by fun. the way, Charlie, if you can win on technicality, so can I. So take that message. We're not going down this rabbit hole. It's we over. all win. 2020 is almost over. Wins. I'm getting out of this. I'm getting out of this year. <laughs> all right, moving on to Batman Soul of the Dragon. So Bruce Tim and some uh, and the great voice cast have kind of come together to release this new Batman animated feature, which is called Batman Soul of the Dragon. And it's a throwback to 1970s kind of martial arts flicks like Bruce Lee. Enter the Dragon, um, and it basically sees Batman team up on a mission with some of his, you know, the more iconic assassin characters from his world, like Bronze Tiger and Lady Shiva and Richard Fong. And, like, yeah. I just put this in there because I thought this looks like the actual uh, Batman movie that I'm actually, like, excited to see. It just looks, looks great. Like kind of funky and different, and I'm kind of psyched to see this, like, 1970s Bruce Wayne in a martial arts flick. And there's just some cool, funny, uh, there's just funny ways I think Bruce Tim will take the martial arts genre, but kind of have this winking thing to it because it's Batman. And there's just some funny things already in this trailer that I'm, I'm looking forward to. So I actually want to watch, I'm actually looking forward to this one when it comes out in January. I am too. Yeah, it looks very well done. I love the vibe. I love the time, 70s, set in the 70s. It just looks great. I agree. Matt, I know, I agree. I think I like the... I like the more kind of offbeat and fun animated projects when it comes to Batman. Like, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but there was a Batman animated series of like four years ago, maybe three years ago. Um, and it had that kind of same like bubbly, kind of like a weird bubbly vibe, kind of a harkening back to like 1966. That was really fun because it's different than the gritty brooding Batman we typically get. So like things like this are fun. I think it's good. Yeah. And with adult content, like there's they're cursing yeah. and and I like that. I just think it's nice to see. Yeah, the voice cast is awesome. Michael Jai White looks like he's just gonna have the the most amount of fun doing <laughs> this because he did Bronze Tiger, of course, in the Arrowverse, and he just looks like he's gonna have the most amount of fun in this. Movie. And he's busy, man. Yeah, that dude's in that Black Friday movie too that just got announced. Yeah, I mean Michael Jai White stays working, and anytime they want to bring back Black Dynamite, I'm also for that too. So you know. Speaking of 70s throwbacks, uh, totally random. So moving right along, let's go from Batman Soul the Dragon. Check that out on comicbook.com DC. And also while you're there, check out the new 
teaser trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, the, you got the teaser trailer, which is a lot like the previous one we saw, yeah. but that one got pulled for legal reasons. I guess they had to work out that song, uh, Hallelujah. I, guess I thought WB. they would put a new one in there. But yeah, so nope. did I. No, but I think they paid the money. I, I mean, I, mean, I, I want to know what That's the story. Like. Warner Brothers keeps paying money for Zack Snyder's thing. Please, dude. <laughs> yeah, Good Lord. But, but I think they tried to get away with it because they like paid it for Watchmen because they obviously used that song in Watchmen, right? And like, oh yeah. And so I would think they just tried to pull the old shimmy, like, okay, we still can use this. We paid for it, and they were like, nah, like we need that new money, you know. So I don't know. That's just speculation, but I would, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall of that court case. So we got a, yeah. So we got another version of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. But I guess if you make it black and white, it's less legal. Uh, legally and uh, like damn it's more know. deep and yeah emotion but it looked beautiful and black yeah, I mean, and white it did it did yeah. actually look good in black and white it looks but it fine. was just come on yeah. it looks fine no i mean i, mean, I, I like it, the shots not the every movie yeah not every movie can hold up just through a simple black and white conversion like it can look real bad but this one actually looked pretty good like i would actually watch a black and white version of justice i don't have anything against like the visuals because that's like one of the things i love most about snyder movies because like snyder movies are gorgeous whether you appreciate the like the actual style of it or the fact that everything's muted and stuff like that but like it's actually really pretty his cinematography that said I'm over this. Like, uh, just just release it already so I can see the <laughs> damn thing and just get on with my life. You always been just a hater. Over it. You always the been thing a hater, I'm most man. impressed with about this. You always been a hater, man. Is always. the the complete like trickery this man has pulled on Warner Brothers? Like, he is this is a coup. He is getting away with so much. It's like it's for the fans. Oh, okay. Wait, where did this fifty million dollars go? It's it's for the fans. Don't worry. Well, and he's literally like, talking about how he teases the second one so much in this that he's I adding like things he's that like weren't in it, trying to get that to happen. Like he's he. It feels like he's like dipping his toe in the water to be like, so the second one. Um, <laughs> is that like like give you an inch, you take a mile thing? Like yeah. He took that rope and ran. <laughs> Good for him. He got it like that. He's smart. More power to him. More power to him. That's why I said I'm impressed by his ability to do this. He hasn't been sitting in a director jail just doing push-ups. I might not be impressed by the movie he makes, but I'm impressed by his ability to steal the studio's money because the studios don't need more money, so whatever, take it. But the point is, besides bashing Zack Snyder for some reason, I'm complimenting his ability I'm to actually, do this. This is growing on me because the more, I mean, there are just a few new scenes in this new trailer here and mm -hmm. there, but the more I see of this movie as like a bigger complete piece, the more I actually like it and more it feels like an epic actual Justice League story instead of the trash mess that I saw. Hopefully it'll all so. make sense a little bit more too. I think that's yeah. where a lot of people are confused, especially maybe people that don't know the comic background and stuff like that. If you don't know all that, like really, really well, you were insanely lost watching that movie. You were confused. Who's to be fair, you movie? were lost even if you knew all the comics. Really? I have a feeling there. that this is going to, like, this might just be me. I think this is going to play out the same way where you're going to watch it and you're like, wait, what? And then it's like, oh, that's what we have to do with the second one. Like the whole thing is going to make it so it needs a second one. And I just. We are getting I'm back with it. the epic thing we began in the 2010s. I sat down in 2011 to start writing about this plan and I'm finally going to get it. And nobody's going to stand in my way, Charlie, not you. No one's going to hold me down. No, no, no. no. 
<laughs> they tried to say it was dead. They said Justice League was released and it's over. And we said, recount. And I got now five here we are. <laughs> now, yeah. Now we're in several recounts later. We are ready. I don't have anything positive to say about this. I'm really excited about Surprising, it. Surprising, shocking. We brought you here. The for trailer the made me more excited about it again. I'm ready for it. It looks better and better to me. It I'm does. I agree with you on and that. All are going to be there. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. No brainer. That's how Snyder gets that second. And, it's, one. and I can <laughs> I can almost guarantee it'll be better That's than the movie true. that came out in theaters. But beyond that, I don't know what else to say. So then I'll, I'll you need to be back on the podcast to, to give your honest all the Snyder review. people. All right, we're going to move on. Check that out. Comicbook.com DC. Check out early grenade. Who knew? <laughs> what do you mean? Who knew that Zack Snyder would be? A well, grenade? but it wasn't even. It was just a news flashy item, and we turned it into that. I mean, I'll I'll take it full blame for that. As long here. as it takes the flack off of me for not liking the Tom and Jerry trailer, we're good. No, no we'll I mean, remember that. that's a permanent stain. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a social breakout. <laughs> go on Instagram. Uh, right along, Marvel's X Men and the Transformers. We got a teaser earlier this week that they were gonna have some kind of crossover event. Uh, in 2021 and we found out what that was i was hoping for something like like a web series or comics like event or something cool like that matt's still excited but what we're getting is a toy line that mashes up x-men and transformers and i guess this is pretty cool um where the blackbird jet from transformer or from x-men is a transformer (laughs) you're not excited about that i mean it's a cool concept I don't hate it. I just wanted more. I, I mean, I thought I was going to get something like really maybe cool. it's because when I saw the Hasbro thing, like I kind of knew what we were in for because it was like, oh, it's a toy. Like typically, it I thought it might be different. like a toy line and comic event. I thought yeah. they were going to do like some it kind might of- be. Think about it. Could inspire it. But I mean, this I thing see is that, so yeah. cool, man. Now here's the thing: it has a terrible name. I hate the name. The Ultimate Expanse. I don't know. Whatever. That's yeah. Dark. I don't know. They got to the <laughs> But. The, but it's a blackbird. It's essentially a blackbird done in like a little bit of a, a actual like kind of authentic jet style. And, and it 90s. transforms and it's got like a freaking Cyclops visor. It has Wolverine claws. I mean, this thing is this decked, man. Yeah, I, we pretty, always thought cool. it is cool. Yeah. Like we cool always thought toy. this would make a good combination. But now that it's actually happened, it's pretty slick. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool toy. If yeah. And it's inspired by like the 90s X-Men animated series. So like... That's in, of course, Transformers G1. So the best of both franchises. And so you get this Blackbird jet that, like Matt says, yeah. And it comes with, like, this little, yeah, Cyclops thing, like a harness with the X on it, Wolverine claws. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I, I'm not going to hate. But hopefully we get something more with this. I would love to see this in a comic event series eventually. Yeah. Also, we're Mondo, doing all this crazy licensed stuff. Like, why not? Also, Mondo is doing X-Men the Animated Series figures, like full-scale Marvel Legends figures. And the Wolverine they just released looks... Like it has, you know, in the intro of the show where yeah. he does the claws and it brings a little energy thing across, it has that as an accessory. It's like, what? That's amazing. It's aura or whatever. I've seen it. Seen All right. It. Moving right along. Also in the Transformers franchise, we are getting another Transformers reboot movie. Uh, and we got a director for it. Stephen Cable Jr. who did Creed 2. Yeah. Cool. So. <laughs> this is a Transformers movie. There's a lot happening in this franchise, but we have one that's aiming to kind of come in 2022. And that'll be the one that this Cree 2 director is directing. And this is going to be a kind of a reimagining between Paramount Pictures and Hasbro. So we're not going to get more of that Michael Bay crap. Thank God. Um, if anything, I think most of us hope that it's more 
along the lines of the Bumblebee movie with that more of that G1 feel. And like, I mean, let's jettison some humans. Let's go war for Cybertron, right? Like, yeah. let's hold on. Here. There you go. You're welcome. I like the one person, like one transfer, like, like that. The bond with Haley Steinfeld and Bumblebee really made that movie work. It wasn't just this mess of all these different characters, right? You know, because like at first it was Shia and Optimus, like that was kind of fine. Yeah, and then it got real big real quick. You know, I think the more kind of intimate movies are the way to go, like at least to build it. And I agree. You know, if you want to do this like live yeah. action franchise thing, and I, mean, I love the idea of bringing doing what like Netflix and Rooster Teeth did with theirs with Warf Sadron and like making it a story between like Ultra Magnus and Optimus and like Alita One, like maybe do something like that where you're just focusing on a couple characters and whoever the human is once they get to Earth and stuff. I don't know. I, I don't know what the continuity really is. Like Bumblebee kind of no. sits over here and it's like yeah. you know it's weird i mean right now it's kind of weird because they had a plans for a whole universe after transformer 5 that was supposed to launch and that got all got all scrapped bumblebee was supposed to be this kind of soft reboot that introduced a different kind of way into g1 in the 80s and now we've been hearing that there are two projects in the works one that's a kind of sequel set in the bumblebee universe and one that's based on the beast wars universe and is like a much larger scale kind of project so we don't know which one the Creed guy is directing. Um, yeah. I would hope, based on his work with Creed, that it would be something else in the Bumblebee universe. Yeah, I, I would hope so, at least. Because yeah. so I like him a lot as a filmmaker, and I think yeah. that that's the concept that seems like it's going to be better. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like it, with more actual heart and substance to it, and like a way of just maybe widening out, and you know, the first one was about Bumblebee, but maybe widening out with more Autobots or something like that. Even if we pick some new ones that we don't see so often, I think that would be better. Because, yeah, I mean, people are still kind of coming around and rediscovering this new project that hopefully helped people rediscover Bumblebee because that kind of got overlooked. No, it was, you know, the best Transformers film we've had in years. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe ever. Like, in, in terms of live action, I think it's the it's the best we've ever had. Yeah, I, I just don't want to go out there because people will send me hate mail. I love, well, okay, the, in terms of live action, <laughs> I remember, I, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember really liking the original Transformers live yeah, action movie. I liked it, yeah, yeah, it, it, the first one was fun. Like, it was a yeah. good, it was a good movie. I just, I think Bumblebee kind of excels, like, in places where it didn't, like, there is a lot of heart and, and layers mm -hmm. and emotion, and yeah. like, there, there's a lot of stakes. It feels like not just, oh, the world's gonna end. It feels like there's real yeah. emotional, personal stakes in Bumblebee, where mm -hmm. Transformers, I mean, Michael Bay just, Lacks in yeah, all of those categories. By a human, like an actual human. <laughs> like, like I think I like think about Bad Boys and how much I love the original Bad Boys. But then when you watch Bad Boys for Life, and it's by filmmakers who like have souls, and how much deeper that story goes. Yeah. Bumblebee reminds me of that with Transformers. When you look at Michael Bay, and then you look at yeah, what exactly. was done with Bumblebee. And also, I'll never. I will. I remember because I like again. I started getting into this business around that time, and like I will just remember just looking at all these featurettes by how many people Michael Bay broke to make those transforming sequences in the first film where they yeah. actually tried to move like, you know, thousands of actual mechanical parts to make things transform into robots and still look confusing and terrible. And I was just like, and Bumblebee was just like, nah, we're just going to fold them up. Like, and so, some things up. don't need that kind of detail, man. Exactly. Like, we, yeah. <laughs> we got it. They're, yeah. They transform. They're yeah. Cool. Just make the sound we know and we'll all be happy. <laughs> yes. eh, 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 eh. All right. I'm good to go. 
All right, but that's what's going on in the Transformers neck of the woods. We are going to take a quick break, pay some bills, but when we come back, we're going to get into our rants and raves for the week, plus talk the Mandalorian Chapter 11 and some new Batman comics, so stay tuned for all of that. We're back this week, rants and raves. Uh, I'll kick it off first. And this week I am going to, I, I don't want to say rave because it just, it's, it makes me sound like such a creep, but I, I'm going to say rave because I really enjoy it about the new uh, FX on Hulu show, uh, a teacher starting Kate Mara uh, from house of cards and fantastic four. And uh, I forget the other kid's name. I should really look it up, but um it's this mini series that looks in on it's based on a kind of real life Nick Robinson. So, and Kate Mara, and it basically looks in on this, I believe it was a real life or based on kind of the story of a female teacher who seduces a high school student and how that all kind of blows up and, and goes really wrong and for the down and in their lives and all of that. And I got to say, I really am digging this show. But again, like, I don't want to say that because it gives the wrong impression because I'm sure like many people you got on, you know, for this, you thinking you're going to get in for this like steamy, you know, forbidden romance drama type deal. But uh, this show by Hannah and it's by uh, Hannah Fidel and it's really good is probably the best show that's kind of pinpointed the kind of nuances and subtleties of abuse and like grooming and, you know, the mismatch of power between like adults and children and how wrong that really is. And it does a fantastic job just making you feel like really wrong from just even the most subtle, like micro actions that this, that this person is taking a teacher. And I believe it was originally supposed to be a male teacher and female student, but they flipped it. And it's interesting because in flipping it and still making it feel creepy, it has this kind of out of effect of weirdly like you're seeing a female teacher do this to a male and you're like this is really creepy and in the back of your mind you can't help but to think but like you know oh my god like when this is reversed it's even 10 times creepier like when these gender roles are reversed and it's even more unsettling but yeah and it's not and they do a really good job because it's not like sinister or arch like you're just watching two people like interact in this very kind of Nat, they do a good job of nailing this n awkward kind of natural way of people interacting and trying to talk to each other. Like a student trying to talk to his English teacher when he randomly meets her out when like sees her out like eating one night and stuff like that. But again, it's really kind of subtle about the decisions you, this person is making as an adult and knowing what kind of influences that will have or, or kind of power dynamic that could lead to between her and this younger student. It, it's just very very disturbing and they have all this warnings on the show it's a little overwrought um uh, i guess they were worried about people getting the wrong idea because they have all these warnings on it like if you know anybody or have experienced grooming like here's a hotline like every time there's like a little commercial break yeah you have to do that though yeah at this point so, yeah and i guess you have to but uh yeah it, it's really well done and kate mara is you know really really good in this and uh yeah the nick robinson's also really good in this and just it, it's a really good show and they put out the first three episodes on Hulu, which is kind of the first arc. It's a mini series. Uh, I'm not sure how many episodes there are overall, but uh, yeah, the first three episodes, it looks like there's gonna be 10. So the first three are the kind of the first arc about how this all kind of comes together and, and kind of becomes this affair. And 
like I said, it's, it's really kind of raw. There's a reason they put it on FX on Hulu. And, uh, yeah, it's really kind of raw and, and uh, disturbing in this very subtle way. So, yeah, man, a teaser. If you really want to check out that thing for some reason, like, check that out. That's me. Matt. How about uh, Janelle goes first? Because my uh, I'm waiting on some people who are evidently doing yard work outside oh, sure. to finish. So yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> That's clock. fine. I'll just shake everybody to their core. Um, <laughs> my rant slash rave. I don't know which way to go with it at this point because it has so many mixed reviews. Is Amazon Prime's Utopia? Um, this is a basically a remake from a UK show. So it, this originated uh, like a Channel 4 UK, like really highly rated, very, very good show. Um, and they redid it. They readapted it or readapted. They adapted it on Amazon. And um, basically it's, it, there's a lot to take in with this. And the timing of the show is untimely <laughs> because it is basically about a global pandemic corrupt leadership and government, um, like women being mistreated. It's just, it's a lot, it's, it's so relevant <laughs> that it's, it's almost terrifying. And it was just, it just happened to be released at a crazy time. Pushing all that aside, when this first came out, it was towards the beginning of lockdown quarantine and I didn't feel comfortable watching it. I was honestly like, this is too heavy. I don't, I don't want to go there. If it has anything to do with the pandemic, I just can't do it. Um, now that I've kind of like settled in and I feel, uh, uh, of sound mind, um, I actually really dig it. It's basically, a, it's like a fan fest. It starts off at basically like a fan fest. I'm not going to, you know, spoil too much, but it's a group of nerds that are totally geeking out about a comic book that was written, um, and where they have found that in, you know, hidden in its pages, there's the prediction of like Zika and malaria and all these outbreaks that are coming, um, and basically being quote unquote man-made and released upon the earth. And it's basically the comic is about, uh, this, amazing scientist who was basically held captive and forced to create chemical warfare and viruses against humanity. And the daughter gets kidnapped and then she escapes and then he, she's trying to find where they're keeping her dad hostage. Okay. So that's the comic book. But then now, um, you know, in real world, there's a group of conspiracy theorists who read into these comics and they see the prediction of these diseases and stuff. Well, you kind of find out that it may or may not actually be real. These comics might actually be real. And it's maybe someone from behind the scenes trying to get the message out there so that someone can help them save the world or something like that. It's really up to you to interpret and, and kind of see how you feel. I am four episodes in. So obviously like I'm leaning towards, this is totally real. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot of violence. Like there's torture in it. There's it's heavy, heavy, heavy. So make sure you're like ready for a wild ride if you're going to watch this. But I personally am digging the heck out of it. And I know that it's gotten mixed reviews. And I think if it was released before this crazy time, I think it would have gotten a much bigger response because Jillian, I'm Jillian I'm, Flynn adapted that, right? I think so. Gosh, I don't even know. Um, Gone Girl writer. If it was, then sh that makes a lot of sense. It is, it, it plays with your mind. And I'm talking like, 
it will have you questioning like, was this disease man-made? Was it actually just like an animal? It's, it's, it's super relevant and really exciting. And if you can go in it and you kind of stay lighthearted, like I literally watched these episodes and then I turned on Dancing with the Stars because I had to like come down <laughs> from the intensity. It's, it's pretty cool. It's action-packed. And I dig it a lot. Yeah, it is. It is created for American audiences by Jillian Flynn. So that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Jillian Flynn is very haunting and intense and dark. Yep. All of those things. That's perfect. And then my other rave is The Crown. If you guys haven't watched it on Netflix, they just released uh, season four, I believe. Um, And it is it is fabulous. They've introduced uh, Princess Diana and that whole story with Camilla and it's just so enthralling because it's just like kind of like pulling back the curtain of what you know this mundane thing that no one really over here in the U.S. we're just kind of like okay and there's the queen like whatever but seeing all of this backstory and like what uh, what really goes on um, within you know the crown and the, the castle and the house and the politics it's just it paints a really lovely picture the acting is phenomenal um yeah, direction is beautiful. Soundtrack is incredible. And yeah, it's a really good show. So I highly recommend start from the beginning. Enjoy it. Yeah. All well, right. That's me. <laughs> Dad, you ready? Or are you still? Yeah, hanging no, no. The, I, I've got a spot in between. So they, <laughs> they stop for the minute. So yeah, uh, mine is a another rant gestion, but I'll say it's a little bit of a rant. Sasha Banks, uh, who's been killing it on SmackDown recently, uh, is the new SmackDown Women's Champion. And uh, she recently did an interview where she was talking about wanting an Evolution too. Now, for those who don't know, Evolution was the all-women's pay-per-view that they did last year. And it was kind of capping off of a few years of you know the women's revolution and all these stars coming from NXT and really shaking up women's wrestling. And now women's wrestling is such a huge part of WWE that it's actually like the focal point a lot of times. Some of the best stuff on there is just the women's division. And that goes to NXT too. So everyone's been kind of wondering where Evolution 2 is because the first one was did like blockbuster numbers, uh, had a bunch of great matches. The, you know, the community really got behind it. And since then, it's like crickets. Like we haven't heard any kind of plans for another one. And, and more and more superstars are kind of coming out and be like, hey, like let's – Let's push that. And so I am very much, I might not be behind the Snyder Cut, but I am behind (laughs) Evolution too. And that needs to happen like ASAP, especially if you want to keep building on what you did last year, which was really like set a precedent. And that pay-per-view kicked all kinds of ass. So you need to bring that back. That should happen. It's probably not going to happen this year because there's just not enough time. So hopefully in 2021, maybe early, uh, maybe like right after WrestleMania would be really cool, but uh, it needs to happen ASAP. So that is my rant. Charles, do you have something? I mean, I always got things to rant about. Yay. Um, I have a lot of the new stuff I've been watching. Uh, there's a couple things that I would love to talk about and, and I can't yet. Um, <sighs> but a lot of what I've been watching over the pandemic has been things that I missed before. Um, you know, I, I watch a lot of, especially a lot of horror movies you know, throughout October. I watch things that I just, I had never seen before. Um, one of the things I've been watching lately, which I was getting really excited about Assassin's Creed Valhalla coming out. Um, I wish I adore that game. Uh, and so I started watching Vikings because I was just really hyped about the whole Vikings theme and uh, that show that was on History Channel. And I think it has like half a season left to air. Um, uh, Travis Fimmel and Catherine Winnick and um, the big guy from Bad Boys for Life, um, Ludwig, Alexander Ludwig. Uh, it's it's such a fun show. If, if you like history stuff, like I'm a big fan of like Pirates of the Caribbean and Black Sails and, you know, anything like Vikings, pirates, you know, old 
like the dark time, the dark ages, like anything that's more historical like that, but put it with a fiction lens is really fun to me. Um, so if you haven't seen Vikings before, there's still like six episodes left to go um, that are supposed to come out end of this year or beginning of next year, whenever they actually get around to finally airing the last bit of the season. Um, but they're all everything previous is on Amazon prime right now. Um, if you like that kind of stuff, Vikings is so, so cool. It's really bloody. It's really intense, but it, it gives you a lot of info about Viking lore, which is really neat. Um, but the other thing, the one like new thing of this year that I just have not stopped thinking about, I've watched it three times already, which I never rewatch TV. Um, so for me, that's a huge thing, but Ted Lasso on Apple TV is the single best show of this year. And maybe the last couple of years in, in my opinion, it's, I've never felt so much joy and so much hope watching a TV, like especially a TV comedy, um, than I do with, with this show. If you guys haven't seen it, Jason Sudeikis plays Ted Lasso. He's an American football coach that gets hired to coach a professional soccer team in London. Um, and kind of the, the, the thing there is that the, the owner um, was a really terrible dude. He cheated on his wife all the time. Uh, they got divorced and she kept the team. And it was like the only thing he's ever really cared about is this, is this football team. And so she decides she's going to just tank it and hire this American college football coach to come coach soccer in London. Um, and he knows nothing about soccer at all. Um, but it's so much more than that. It goes so much deeper than that. It, it's, it's the like most eternally hopeful thing I've ever seen. You know, nice. Ted Lasso is like, it, it, it's hard to describe just how much this will fill you up. Um, and it's something that I really desperately needed in, in 2020. Um, and it, it makes sense that I've watched it three times now. Um, cause I can't get enough of it, but it, it's, I, I've laughed so many times at the same jokes. Like I was surprised this was good because it was based on skits from NBC sports when they got the rights to the premier league, like six years ago. Oh. And those were, that's just for funny, but like that, it was a very different character that Sadekis played when he played that first Ted Lasso. And I was really confused as to how this was going to be an ongoing series, but it has just exceeded all my wildest expectations. It makes total sense that it's been renewed for three seasons and only aired one. You know, they're about to start production on the second one in January. And it's a surprisingly deep show. You know, Ted is dealing with some, like, going through a divorce and, and trying to kind of come to grips with that when – and it's really unique because no one's played like a bad guy in that situation. Like, the wife isn't mean and terrible. He's not, like, a, a turd, you know. Like, they just they're, – they're not working. And you really, like, dive into – his struggle with accepting that and allowing her to move on and make letting himself move on. And it's, it's such a powerful show. And, and there's a reason that if you get on online and look it up, like everyone has raved about this show. It really is everything that people are saying it is. And I'm kind of telling everybody that I know, like if you haven't seen Ted Lasso, you, you need to go watch Ted Lasso. So that's, that's my rant. Ted Lasso on Apple TV plus. All right. That's it from Charlie. Thank you. Now that we have our rants and raves down, let's go into our deep dive section. This week, we are going to start out by talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 11. So, after last week's episode from Peyton Reed, which was kind of a, I mean, a standalone, it didn't really advance that much, but we all kind of said, like, maybe this was a necessary kind of stage setter. Well, in Chapter 11, we kind of got what stage it was setting, and I have to say it was very worthwhile. So, this is a full spoiler discussions for The Mandalorian Chapter 11. If you haven't watched it, why are you listening to this? Go watch it. I don't know what you're doing with your life because there's not that much content out there. So, check that out and coming back and listen to this. So, in Chapter 11, we got the heiress. It sees uh, Mandalorian 
I know Charlie's very like up in arms about this, so I won't call him Mando for you, Charlie. I'll call him Din Jarin. Uh, and the child travel to a moon of Titan to deliver the passenger. And the moon of Titan is basically kind of settled by the uh, Mon Calamari culture. Um, the people from that planet. Uh, there's two races. I forget what the second race is. The guys with the Quarren. Yeah, the Quarren. The Quarren and the Mon uh, Calamari, which are Admiral Akbar and, and the fish guys. So they go to this aquatic planet to deliver the passenger, the frog lady, to her husband. And they get word, you know, the frog lady and her husband, true to their word, you know, they they point the, – I'm saying Mando, I'm sorry. They point Mando in the okay, direction. It was, it was a fun headline is the only thing I, I messaged you about. Like, because now we know that he's not the Mando. So it's, yeah. it's a fun thing to think about. I, don't, I call him Mando all the time. I just thought it was a fun headline. It's big M. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Mando basically is pointing in the direction of, the, of this other Mandalorian. He gets double-crossed, but they show up to save him. And it turns out to be the Night Owl squad led by Bo, Bo-Katan Kreese, who is Katie Sackhoff. And this is a huge milestone in Star Wars kind of franchise because Bo-Katan Kreese is a character – who was introduced in the Clone Wars animated series and Rebels animated series, where she was voiced by Katie Sackhoff. Uh, and so Katie Sackhoff becomes the first person to take a Star Wars animated character into live action, uh, you know, fully. There's been little Easter eggs, like Captain Hera was in Rogue One. They've kind of retconned this thing. So one of the old troopers in Return of the Jedi is Captain Rex from the animated series. But this is the first official one. Uh, and so... Bando meets Bo-Katan's Night Owl squad, who also has Sasha Banks in it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> she did a great job, too. Oh, no, she was awesome. Like, yeah, she was a standout in that episode, man. Mm-hmm. She was one of my new favorite characters. Uh, Castle Reeves, or Castle Reeves, I forget her exact name. Um, and our boy from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as, uh, as Axe Woves, which is still one of my favorite names ever. Like that is a crazy name. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great name. George Lucas came up with that one. Fun fact: Oof. He came on the set, and you know, in pure pimp George Lucas fashion, he was just like Axe Woe salt bag style, and just like walked out. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a true story, but I, I like it. Him and his uh, belly button high jeans just turned on yeah. the heel and walked away. You can Not see to his derail us. just we off in the distance. <laughs> Not to derail us, but I can't see George Lucas anymore and not think of Bobby Moynihan after his impersonation, which was fantastic. <laughs> you will wow. get me a Coke Zero. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, after some, you know, initial trepidation because, you know, Mando was thrown by the fact that these Mandalorians take off their helmets and they begin to, Bo-Katan kind of has to break it to him like, hey, dude, you're in a cult. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you haven't been taking off your helmet because you're in a cult, buddy. Uh, that was the best part. Yeah. You know, he, he handled so it. seriously. He handled like, it pretty well. Your entire like, life's a joke. He was like an upset <laughs> child. He's like, there's only one way, the way of the Mandalore. And he like flew oh off. My gosh. Like a little... It reminded me of the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt where she's been living in a bunker her whole life yeah. and only knows like this cult way of living. And then the world's like, hey, here's a rabbit. Here's a grocery store. And then they're just like, she freaks out. That he reminded me of, of unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And it just made me laugh. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> funny. Um, to learn he's been keeping his helmet on like a jerk all this whole time. But um, yeah, that's a real thing. Some people, and here's my thing. Uh, I, got, I got torn apart in season one when I, when I tried to say this in the office. Uh, Brandon Davis and Chris Killian in particular were up my ass about this. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I said that, like, you know, there is a part of me that gets slightly annoyed about Mandalorian time because 
it attracts this mainstream audience of Star Wars fans that don't necessarily follow the deeper parts of the franchise, like the animated series. And that's okay. That's fine. I, I'm not like one of those troll purists, but it, it, it's, it just gets to me when people get a little chesty about watching just the mainstream Star Wars stuff and start to think they know stuff and, you know, arguing mm. with everybody online. Like just because you watch the Mandalorian doesn't mean, you know, Jack, you know, ish about like Mandalorian culture as a whole or, or it's history in the franchise. Yeah. So arguing that these are like not Mandalorians because they took off their helmets. Nah, buddy, that's wrong. Mando's in a cult. I hate to break it to you. No, but- I'm glad you said that because I initially, when I was watching it was like, Oh, they're not they're they're They have the man, the Mandalorian gear, but maybe they're not actually Mandalorian because, but not in like and an offensive way. You off because of the first episode. Yeah. Because of Cobb Vanth. Yes. It was the same exact him taking it, the helmet off. and the me reaction. up. And yeah. so I, it took me a while to actually process and understand that like, no, he just like, I, I literally didn't even believe her when she first like told him, Hey, you know, you're not all, you're not the only one. And I just, it took me a minute because they laid Maybe that out more, for me. You setting yourself up. But I didn't definitely did not get on blogs and well, say. Well, that's the difference though. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you guys like, are wrong. Well, I just do didn't that. know. Oh, yeah. They yeah. do that. No, they, they try and set and, you up. And what I, what I yeah. love about this and what I love about what they're doing and what I hope happens to kind of piggyback off what Kofi is saying yeah. is when you go Google like Bo-Katan or like what is, you know, there is so much out there to learn about the Mandalorians, whether you watch the animated shows or just read right. Wikipedia, like it's, it's so interesting. I mean, you should, I'm not saying read, well, you and it, watch it makes the shows you the want time, to, but yeah. It, it makes the, all these people like, you know, up until the first season of Mandalorian, I was never like a huge fan of the animated stuff, but I went back and watched it because of this. And I think there's so many of us that oh, are doing the good. same thing. I really am enjoying how they're tying it to these other parts because it really makes you want to go watch other stuff. And like, I, I went and bought the aftermath book that I had no desire to read before, but after meeting Cobb Vanth, I'm like, I have to learn more about Cobb Vanth. Like, I, I love this character. I want to go read this book. You know, I, I think that Star Wars can be such a, I mean, it is such a cool thing, but all the different corners of it can be so cool. And, Mando more than anything else seems to really like be inviting those yeah, conversations. Yeah, it speaks to a lot of people. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go with this is like the ultimate success of this episode, and we're not even done dissecting it, but is that it has opened the door for people to now be like, there was this thing online where people were like, all right, I'm going to watch some of these animated series now. Like now I want to know. Now I want to mm-hmm. go watch that, which is a good victory for the franchise. And somebody was complaining online, but you don't have to watch the whole things if they're too long. There's been like 15 million guides to how to watch yeah, clone wars if you just want to see darth maul or you just want to see the mandalorian stuff like there are all kinds of guides you can just go watch the episodes that are relevant and awesome but uh Dude, especially yeah. watch the mandalorian stuff if you're a big obi-wan fan yeah yeah i mean I you gotta watch that. this because we haven't even gotten to that bo-katan sister with obi-wan's unrequited love like and she gets murdered and there's a whole thing about that in the clone wars and it's a whole thing darth maul takes over mandalore and bo-katan helps to fight and get it back in that final season of clone wars and it's like a whole thing so like yeah and then they deal with the helmets and the difference in the cultures and the changing and night owls was originally this all female squad and then you know eventually it just became bo-katan was the loyal Mandalorian fighting against Darth Maul's forces. And, and the Death Watch is yeah. what they name the people that only wear, they keep yeah. the helmets on and stuff. Right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, they were Death Watch and Priest Vizsla. And they Nazi lived on their own moon and stuff. It was wild. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty wow. wild. And those episodes, that whole arc in Clone Wars is great. Like, 
all the Mandalore stuff when Obi-Wan and Anakin have to go to Mandalore. The episode where Palpatine comes to Mandalore and defeats Darth Maul and like shatters that whole thing is one of the best in Star Wars I've ever seen. So it's all great. And this episode kind of kicks that off. But um, it was also directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And I love that she got to do this episode because it was a total redemption episode for her. Because if you don't remember in season one, I think the, the episode that was the most kind of controversial where people started to waver on the Mandalorian was chapter four, which was this very kind of long epic, you know, avatar style story about resisting this, this village. I think you're talking about the best episode of the Mandalorian. I, I liked it. I did not hate it at all. Oh, yeah, I, I um, adore it. The people like that was the one where people started criticizing yeah. it and started saying, oh, I don't know if this episodic thing is going to work and it's mm. not going anywhere. And blah, 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 blah. And the boom mic incident, of course. And, you know, all that. That was like Game of Thrones, too. So everybody was just looking for mistakes. And Bryce Dallas Howard got a fair amount of flack for that. She doesn't deserve any flack because this episode is an awesome heist kind of thriller where Mando joins the night, night owls to uh, get a takeover Imperial cargo ship that's being piloted by uh, Titus Welliver, who I love and everything. Um, and it's oh, sons of anarchy villain popping up. Yeah. I'm always excited about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Moff Gideon, it's Moff Gideon's ship. And, and this was a great episode because it was very just, it, it, it did what chapter five, the gunslinger did very well, which is a very good kind of Western style heist episode with these kind of, you know, uncertain partners. Um, but it also built out the mythology very quickly, uh, both of the past mythology with whatever happened between Bo-Katan and Moff Gideon and this new mythology that we're going to build out with this race to get the dark saber while Mando is getting, he's unwittingly getting caught up into this whole thing because Moff Gideon's after him. Bo-Katan's after Moff Gideon and the dark saber. Mando's on his way now because Bo-Katan points him to Ahsoka Tano, who will probably be in an upcoming, if not the next episode, then one of the soon to be episodes. And, you know, then all of this is going to come back around. So this is, this is some old Clone Wars beef, Rebels beef, that Mando doesn't know he's sucked into yet, but it's going to be awesome for Star Wars fans. And this episode did a lot of good job just fleshing it out and kind of propping up one of the biggest mysteries of Star Wars still unsolved, which is what happened in The Great Purge. Because Star Wars Rebels ended while the Empire had taken over Mandalore. Bo-Katan had gotten the Darksaber from... Uh, kind of rebel one of the pioneer rebels sabine wren who's an also a mandalorian who might show up in this show too uh that was the and, character that sasha banks was was like rumored to be playing right yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and so yeah this is all and what happened during the great purge where the mandalorians fought against the empire lost and got purged from their planet which sent like the tribe out you know hiding underground and doing that fanatical weirdness and like what happened to Bo Bo katan and ahsoka and all that after this is a big mystery in the franchise so Looking Did it feel to short to you? It felt so short. It, it's I mean. been the shortest of the season. So. Yeah. yeah, it was the shortest episode of the season, but... I mean, they did a great job with yeah. that no, story did, and that it, time, it, it but I wish it, it was It fell longer. in line with the, the first season was really like 35 minutes an episode. I, yeah. And then the first two episodes of this season were like much longer than we were used to. And I loved that. We well, it's been like an season. hour and then 45. And I think this one's the first one to be like 35. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I want them to be longer. No, <laughs> I, I actually did with that. the whole thing. <laughs> this was my first, like my favorite paced episode because I thought it, it did a good job kind of being good, hitting the ground running. Like there was, there's very little preamble to like some really serious stuff starts happening. 
and then it's like a really good heist fight on the ship and then like the I think if we had to sit through three hours of the Rise of Skywalker we can have 90 minute Mandalorian episodes I think Thank that's you. I mean yes I, I would have loved it but like <laughs> I watched this episode twice and, and it was good to be able to watch twice because yeah. it was one of those right. like, two times and be like okay like let me make sure I'm catching everything in this but uh, Bryce, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard did an excellent job that girl's ready for some really big directing jobs because it just looked great mm-hmm. I mean yeah and and it was thrilling so uh, and Moff Gideon, you know, Moff's, Moff is a big title in Star Wars because you got to be, I mean, those are like the smartest, most cunning, like ruthless Imperial officers. And this episode also did a good job building up Moff Gideon's rep because, I mean, he's already had some great introductions. Like when he slaughters a whole <laughs> battalion of soldiers just to make his point and say hello. Um, but just seeing his guys like commit suicide and take it to that level of fanaticism and, and stuff. They're like really that. giving him like a Darth Vader and Rogue One kind of thing where like you only get little pieces little glimpses here and there yeah. when you do like you know like you feel it like well, he's scary. whenever he show up yeah he's scary like you know he has the upper hand like that, that i mean Giancarlo carlos was like the best tv villain of oh, all yeah. time so oh, yeah. so great you know it works because you're already terrified of gus fring when the show like the first time you see him you're just like oh i'm out i'm done i surrender because gus is already so terrifying and then for moff gideon to build on that and get only scarier this is just crazy. Yeah, so Mandalorian, I mean, season two is, is doing a good job. Uh, this was a great, thrilling episode. And like I said, like Clone Wars and Rebels fans were dancing in the streets because their entire lives were just validated finally. <laughs> about to get live action Ahsoka. Yeah. And, oh, man, I can't wait for that. Oh, I'm just man, so excited to see action. the design because they got Bo-Katan so right. Oh, yeah. That and, was and, and Ahsoka is so much harder to pull off, obviously. So now I'm just like, I'm anticipating like, how is she, like, what's she going to look like? I'm really excited. Cosplayers yeah. going to go crazy. Yep, yes, they are. <laughs> it's it's going to be great. Um, so, yeah. Star Wars The Mandalorian, I don't have to tell you, you're watching it. We're, we're psyched, and I am so psyched to see where the rest of the season goes. And I like how it's slowly building. I'm just, I'm hoping for a finale where Mando has to join forces with Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, the Night Owls, throw Sabine Wren in there and all out like revenge war against Moff Gideon. Like, uh, I just want to see it go down. I'll say, I want to see him. I want to like, I want him to have to like before that have to turn on the, the, like the armorer and the Mandalorians that he thinks are the Mandalorians. Like a, a, like a Night Owls death watch showdown. Ooh, that'd be kind of nice. Yeah. Cause uh, one of the guys, but yeah, that's funny because you know, Easter egg, I didn't even think about, but uh, yeah, Bo-Katan won't be happy because that guy who had the big gun in season one, he was a Visla, which was... Yeah, Paz Visla. Yeah. Sorry, he, so, was, he was a Visla. He might have been Paz, but he was a Visla. Yeah. And which is like the sworn enemies of, of Bo-Katan and the Kreese. The Kreese yeah. Yeah, so. Do you guys That's see my face down. right now? I'm just like eating this up. I love... Well, that's yeah. good. John, John, Favreau's, yeah. John Favreau's voice like a whole, like a whole family line in Mandalorian history. Yeah, and they the don't like each other. Yeah, and they this do not so like cool. each other. So when they meet, that is going to be some interesting. You guys should story. make like a crash course for people who haven't watched the animated, like how, like where they should start. I know you said you can start anywhere. There's plenty but, on so. comicbook.com. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want to get the real crash course, we waterboard you with some tequila shots to see if you can remember all this. I mean, I'm down with that. <laughs> I love tequila. That was a thing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Boom. All right, so. Party on, Wayne. Oh, let's go. Moving right along from The Mandalorian. Check out all our coverage on – oh, we didn't even talk about Baby Yoda. He didn't he, – he played with the baby that – you know, those eggs he was eating. He ended up playing with the baby, and they were friends. And so 
I wonder. I feel like they just jammed that scene in at the end. They were like, No, I think Mando's just a bad dad. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He cares about the kid, but he just he has no idea what to do. And the frog lady's like, listen, I'll teach this child how to not be a monster. I mean, yeah, yeah, she's a mom. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want her to parents. adopt me because she's so perfect. Yeah, there's no, I'm mad there's not 18 sideshows of the frog lady right she's now so for me sweet. to spend my life savings on. Yep, I love her. That that doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Stole the show. Move on, please. <laughs> no, I mean it's just it was a good time. It was a good time, and Frog Lady is people are just loving the Frog Lady and her. Husband. Oh, give me a whole Frog Lady show. Unnamed Frog. I agree. Her just trying to travel across Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> and fun fact: part of the reason I loved her so much, I didn't know until after I watched it. The person, um, Rosa. Uh, I can't remember her last name. I'm so sorry. The 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 performance, the motion capture actor that does the frog lady suit is the same one that did Quill's motion capture. That was or it was not motion capture was in the suit for Quill's uh, character in season one. And Quill's my favorite <gasps> Star Wars like Mandalorian character. So there's a little connection that frog ladies, you know, the same. Uh, Misty Roses is the name. I'm so sorry that I couldn't get it right, but um, yeah. All right, we'll be keeping you up to date on the Mandalorian. We got to slide over real quick to comics talk. Matt's got to get out of here, but we wanted to uh, touch on some comics that we checked out this week and have been checking out in the Batman universe, uh, starting with Batman 103. So, Matt, why don't you give us your thoughts in, uh, in case you got to get out of here? Uh, yeah, so Batman 103 uh, does the second chapter of the Ghostmaker uh, storyline. I know I, I'm actually very interested, so I know Janelle – uh, all three of us have been keeping up with this. Uh, this one delves a little bit more into the past between these two. And it actually gives us a little bit of indication that like Bruce has essentially got the one up on him since he turned 20. So like in that previous issue, it seems like Ghostmaker is pretty much owning Bruce up until a certain point. And then we see like it ter- completely turn around and he's the one approaching Bruce all the time about fight me, fight me because I need to kind of prove myself. But then we get further into the issue and it's like he makes a bunch of really good points, it seems, right off the bat. Like he's already made an impact on Gotham. Like in, he's been off the plane a day. And then I just love that we see Bruce kind of slowly walk it back. And it's like, well, no, actually, I've been working on this for like months. I've been doing this. And you for just like ruined months. it. And you just ruined it all. <laughs> and I had all these big things. And like, he's like, I know I'm not perfect, but like... There's you know, I a do method. A, yeah, there's like a method to this. Um, and uh, I, the clown hunter Harley stuff, I don't know how I feel about really. Like, I'm, I, I don't really know, right? Like, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, I like some of it. I don't love it. The Ghostmaker. I, I, I loved the animation. Like, I loved Harley. I, I loved Harley. I just don't know why clown maker is such a like, important piece of the puzzle like i don't know why he's even in this at all like i don't know there's always one it's weird because like tanya there's always one line that you can see like oh that's why and in Uh, this one it was the part of where he talks about like this is why you're weak because when he's asking why don't you just take out this dude like he should be in jail and he's like he watched his parents die and he goes, and he's only ah, 17. Right. Yeah. And he's like, ah, that's your problem right there. That's, that's your, your weakness. Yeah. And so that, that makes like, you can see what he's going for. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little bloated. Okay. I then need... I don't know why Harley's there. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, why is Harley there? Is it to like show him that like everything's not so black and white? It's weird. Yeah. So there's things yeah, like I mean, that. This book kind of lost momentum. And when it just switched to the Harley 
clown hunter thing. Yeah. Like, I wish they had stayed with the Batman Ghostmaker stuff because that was much more interesting. And that just felt like filler pages when Harley Quinn's fighting Clownmaker. Like, there's no stakes to that. We never think no. that, that Clownmaker's or Clown Killer or whatever his name is. Or is ever monologue. Gonna... Yeah. Like, right. There's like a lot of dedicated lot... time to that. Yeah, I skipped through a lot of that. Um, and, you know, a few jokes about her landlord that this apartment she just got would have been enough. But yeah, yeah, like her, that whole scene was just a waste. And the Ghostmaker stuff was so much more interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, he's that a part's good. And although I feel like we got to stop letting people like Batman literally this year has been people taking over the entire city. Bane, Joker, <laughs> Ghost, like City of I, Bane, City of Joker, City of Ghostmaker now is like what I did doing. roll my eyes a little bit when I saw that last page. And yeah. it was like, it's going to be my city. I was like, oh, God, no, not again. That's well, like we just keep getting people to show us different versions of what Gotham is other than when, what Batman's offering. Like, it's like DC's just staring thing. at those Arkham City game sales numbers. Yeah, that, and they just don't know where to go from here. They're like, yeah. got to see how 2020 plays out. Throw another villain in. Maybe he has yeah. a good city design. But Ghostmaker's outfit review, like, I feel like I got a better view of his entire costume. I don't know. It's kind I mean, of just all be grateful awesome. we haven't had to see I how Batman would deal with COVID. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's that's. Can we just all be happy that, that, that hasn't, hasn't been a thing? Oh, you don't yeah. think there's going to be a sequel to their like? Because they had a big Gotham plague back in the 2000s, didn't they? I'm yeah. just every everything yeah. everywhere is like, oh, we're gonna make a okay. we're gonna make a pandemic. To be fair movie. though, Gotham has had everything. Two, yeah. it's been a, a plague, cataclysm. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm surprised because because you can do comics from home, not like a movie set. Mm-hmm. You can make comics at home. I'm surprised there's not been like. Oh, it's the it's the Batman COVID nineteen issue. Well, I think everybody's I'm grateful still we don't have it. I think the key to those are like you have to actually be on the other side of the things. Yeah. Yeah. Tell that to movies and television. Because we are still, yeah, no, but. Utopia didn't mean to do that. Well, you know, Utopia didn't, but there's full on shows that are about that. I was against the social network. I have a review that says it because I was like, this story is not done, and damn it if I wasn't right. All right. But the movie's better now because of it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's that's just some prophetic part. stuff right there. You to bring back David Fincher and just do a four-part HBO Max series where he shoots the rest of it, like you know, from there until now. The whole last episode was in a prison. But, um, be great. Also, with Batman, before Matt gets out, we read Punchline Number One, which I felt like Punchline Number One was interesting in the sense because again, it's, it's it's still the same theme, right? It's it's new ways of looking at Gotham City and and what's happened in it and. I think punchline number one does this weird job of doing a better job of summing up Joker war than Joker does than Joker war did in just a (laughs) single issue. And this was just like a weird, they did it like weird Ricky Morty style. This is just like a preview issue before the series comes out or, or there's more coming out like later in in, into next year. We got to wait before the next issue. But the first issue of punchline basically deals with the aftermath of Joker war with his new sidekick punchline being arrested and facing her day in court. And how she still manages to launch this plan to kind of warp the minds of the city through public broadcasting, social media, <laughs> podcasting. Podcast. And an obvious, <laughs> and you're saying comic writers, Charlie, writing about now, this is an obvious parallel to yeah. what comic writers are, com- are commenting on, on the kind of misinformation and vitriol. Radicalization. That's radicalization stuff. and stuff that's being pumped through social media mm-hmm. and, and different forms of media. And this does, which was kind of what Joker was trying to do in Joker War, was transforms people's perception about Gotham and Batman and what it should be and what the world is and release this kind of inner radicalized nature of people that he thought was their base kind of nature. 
but this, this punchline issue does a much more effective job of showing that. I almost wish Joker had gotten taken out of Joker War and like it had been punchlines planned because this was a much better plan. Um, and it was a, it's a dense read. It really is. But it, it's an interesting read as they do, I mean, entire segments of dialogue as one as uh, what's his name's little brother? What's her name? Uh, oh, God, I'm blanking. Uh, I know you're talking Bluebird. about the hero. Bluebird. The new, yeah, Bluebird. Bluebird's little brother is listening to this podcast and they have entire monologues of, of when Punchline visited old Joker Batman battle sites and she kind of contextualized what it means and these metaphors for it. And, it's, and it was all very good and kind of interesting and deep to kind of hear that and to watch this issue over the play out over these mostly kind of side pedestrian characters like Bluebird's little brother as he becomes and showing you the process of how a person in, in, in Gotham or, you know, subsequently America and modern America goes through these stages of being radicalized and, you know, disagreeing with his sister and having a falling out to kind of being targeted for radicalization by somebody from a more nefarious group of kind of Joker radicalists and going to a rally finally and getting the mask and doing that all and punchline successfully swaying, you know, the, 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 the legal system from believing in what she committed, which were obvious atrocities into kind of parting her in the eye of, of the public yeah. and, and kind of getting her off in, you know, yeah. And like I said, it, it, it's an interesting deeper take. It makes this character much different and, and distinct from being a Harley Quinn clone in a way. Yeah, much She's so. much more of a mastermind, less of a psych, you know, you know, kind of impulsive id clown. And yeah, it makes punchline. This is the most interested I've been in punchline thus far in like, I'm just digging what they do here. But again, it, it also makes Joker War look like even more of a failed kind of concept because this, this single issue does more of what it was trying to do than that whole. That's thing. a theme. That's a, that's a total theme of like, I feel like that event, all these side issues and one-offs are so much better. at just because like, I almost kind of want that. Like can, can Ty and just do like little anthologies of like each character and hone in on that because like all the dialogue here is excellent. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Janelle, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So just cold reading, I definitely just want to know what happens from here because to me, it was just kind of like a standalone story of her, just her <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, I'm this way. This is what I believe. I'm manipulating people. I have a podcast. Let me talk a lot. <laughs> and and then it's over. Wait, is this your plan or hers? Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel intrigued, but I'm not like blown away by it. I, it because, you know, I didn't read Joker Wars and I don't, I don't really know what's ahead or what was behind her. So I will say that in the one issue like I, I I'm so intrigued by her like I want to definitely dig in and understand her more and and hear her story and see what she's what her plan is and I'm very very interested but it felt like just a setup like okay here you go here's just so you know what's going on here she is introduction of character and now I'm ready for like a story definitely yeah cool good so I did it right <laughs> <laughs> no definitely it's perfect but I love the artwork too. I love the colors. Like I, I, I love, I love her outfit. I know that's so weird, but I just love no, 
the way she's she a great looks. design. Yeah. yeah she's a great design. Her makeup, everything. She's just cool. Yeah. All right. Charlie, you have any thoughts? Punchline before we get out of here and move on? No. All right. <laughs> Good. The end. All right, Matt, we're going to our rundown section. First things first, HBO Max coming to Roku, sort of, and to Amazon Fire. So, Janelle, 2020 might actually end on a good note for you. You may actually get a Christmas present, sort of. Sort of. (laughs) Only on one of my Roku devices. Yeah, well, I mean, you're making strides. You were really kind of worried about that. It's like a – it's a – it's a workaround. It hasn't been official, right? Am I right? Like it's not officially on like an app on Roku. It's you have to cast it from your phone. From your Apple, you have to have an iPhone right. for app, the Apple Play. Yes. Apple I still Play. have faith that it's going to be fine though. I mean, they're going to, they I have mean, if to it's get on, a deal. It's coming to Amazon Fire Stick and Roku is going to, it's going to be Yeah, I mean, Roku made yeah. a deal with Peacock. It, there's, there's no yeah. way. I mean, I, honestly, this might be bold. I, I would be surprised if we got to Thanksgiving without a deal with Roku and, and yeah. Oh, I would be thrilled. Yeah, it's, I mean, once once the Amazon dollar, they're they're pushing. They're going to push flight attendant hard once it comes out on yeah. Thanksgiving, and I'd be surprised if they're not um because they got the whole like they're showing stuff on TNT and TBS and stuff. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they didn't have a deal done by Thanksgiving. Rejoice. All right. So that's that. Matt, you had some things in the rundown. Why don't you give it to us real quick so we can get out of here? Yeah, just new comics. So uh, Venom number 30 is out, which is the Venom Beyond finale, which I loved. I've loved the storyline. It's It's uh, been a really big surprise. We also have three new chapters of Ten of Swords. We have X-Force number 14, Hellions number 6, which is nuts, uh, and Cable number 6, uh, which I imagine we will be having a very divisive conversation about. Uh, Aquaman number 65 is the end of Kelly Sue the Conic's run and uh, Big Old Wedding, uh, which is awesome. Uh, 7 to Eternity number 14 is back after a long uh, hiatus. Rorschach number 2 is out. Something is Killing the Children number 12. Once in Future number 13. Spider-Woman number 6. We Live number 2 is one of the best new comics I have read in a long time. So number two is out. Definitely check that out. Sea of Sorrows, number one, and Dead Day, number five. And the last part is not comics related. It is a uh, congratulations to Alexa Bliss, who got Yay! engaged. So all WWE Thank fans God. are happy for her. Beautiful. Not me. Aw. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. You can listen on the site. And we're on your favorite podcast listening platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Google Playlist. You can tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast, and it'll get it playing for you. If you want to watch episodes, we put them up new ones live on Facebook Wednesdays and Fridays. If you can't watch it there, they will be on the Comic Book Nation YouTube page. If you want to talk to us, interact with the show, or just sign up to be a fan, head over and follow the at Comic Book Nation Twitter account. You can find us at the Comic Book Nation hashtag, or you can holler at us individually. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler on Twitch and all the socials. I'm at Charlie Ridgely. And if you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, because eventually when COVID, and when COVID dies down, well, first we're going to get through the surge, but after the surge, hopefully when there's vaccines and things die down, we got to get to a merch closet that's like a vault of gold with all these t-shirts, and we want to give them out to our five-star fans. So make sure that's you. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. 
And uh, that's about it. Thank you for tuning in. As always, to Comic Book Nation, we hope you guys are staying nicely distracted with some fun geekdom. Be sure to tune in with us again for another fun discussion, and we will see you next time. Peace. Peace. Bye. Bye.